0: Over the past couple of weeks, I've uh, been asking in the emails that I send out, uh, I've been asking you what you're thankful for. And uh, I've been collecting the responses. There have been some wonderful responses. They all make me smile when I read them. Um, One of the responses said, I think I am a thankful person and my list is long. I've started this email several times, but I could never finish them. You'd think by the time one reaches the ripe old age of 67, I would have figured that out. I'll let you guys figure out who's 67 among us. Um, The only thing I've figured out is that I'm still learning about life and how to live it. Uh, Another email said, I am thankful that all the difficult circumstances and trials in my family's lives have not brought us down or separated us, but have brought us closer together and closer to God. And I love this one response, just kind of covered the basics. I'm thankful for God, faith, family, friends, and prayer. Reading through your responses and looking at what the Bible says about Thanksgiving, I feel like I've learned something about Thanksgiving too. I feel like I've learned one of the keys to our understanding about what it means to be thankful. And that is that... When we start our lists, when we start putting our list together of what we're thankful for, it, it's all about stuff, and it's about people, it's about the things that we have. We, we all have those things that are very similar on our list. We, we're thankful for family, we're thankful for friends, we're thankful for our health, we're thankful for our jobs. But when we look closer, Thanksgiving really becomes about how much we have trusted God with. Um, we trust God with our family. We trust God with our friends. We trust God with our health, with our jobs, and with so much more. And that trust comes back to us, and we find that we are abounding in thanksgiving. That's what we saw last week. Last week we were in Colossians chapter 2, um, verses 6 and 7. And in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, Paul said, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And what Paul is showing us is Thanksgiving, obviously to him, was not a holiday. It wasn't something that was just celebrated once a year. He says, Thanksgiving is something that we abound in, it, it overflows out of our lives. We want to live in such a way that our gratitude, our thanksgiving, overflows out of our lives and, and flows into other people's lives. Is that possible? Can we do that? What will it take for us to experience that kind of thankfulness? We're going to see that today as we go into the next chapter, Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, page 984 in the Bibles there in the pews. I want to back up just a few verses first, though, and look at Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Paul says there in in verse 12, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if 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 one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know, we read a a passage like that, and if we're not careful, we can end up viewing a passage like that the way my Sunday school class seemed to have viewed the fruit of the Spirit when we studied those a few weeks ago. They sound good. A passage like that sounds very important, but when I look at my own life, I can say, that ain't me. (laughs) I've not got that kind of love. I've not got that kind of kindness. I don't have that kind of patience. And I can't forgive as the Lord has forgiven me. And I would say, you're right. You can't forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. That's why he calls us to put on these things and realize it's not a part of who I am. It's a part of who I become in Christ. And so I dress myself with Christ's righteousness, I dress myself with Christ's humility, I dress myself with his love, with his patience, with his peace, with his forgiveness, I put those things on. So what are we missing? What's keeping us from living a life like this, a life that will overflow with thanksgiving, a life that will overflow with gratitude to God? Picking up in verse 15 of Colossians 3, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Three times in these three verses, Paul mentions thankfulness. Three times he mentions thanksgiving. And he ties it to our behavior. He ties it to our obedience to God. Thanksgiving is not about what we are thankful for, but what causes thanksgiving to overflow In our lives. And as he describes the Christian life in these three verses, he tells us that thanksgiving should come when our choices are governed by peace. Now, there are commands in this passage. There's two very specific commands, and commands ought to cause us to sit up and take notice. One thing I always want you to understand about commands when you see commands in the Bible, when you see a command from God, I always want you to understand, God would not command this if he did not know you were capable of doing it, okay? God would not command something that you were not capable of doing. God is not sadistic. God is not trying to make you fail. God does not want your life to be miserable. God wants what is best for you. And so when we find a command in the Bible, we realize that of all people, God is in our corner cheering us on, wanting to see us succeed, wanting us to, to keep that command. So he says in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's a command. And the kind of peace that he's talking about here, what the passage really means, what it's, what it's really saying is, <clears throat> let the peace of Christ act like an umpire in your hearts. Now, I don't know much about sports. I'm not big on sports but I do know what an umpire is I know what the job of an umpire is the umpire is there to call the game right the umpire is there to tell you uh, whether it's in or out whether it's fair or foul the umpire is there to tell you whether or not you are playing by the rules that's the job of the peace of Christ he says let the peace of Christ act as an umpire in your hearts let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts just as you've been called to this. Jesus himself said in, in John chapter 14, it's a scripture I go back to over and over again, John 14, 27. Jesus said to the disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. and Do not be afraid. You know that sinking feeling you get in the pit of your stomach sometimes when you know you've done something wrong when you know you did what you shouldn't have done and you get that feeling there and and it just kind of eats at you it gnaws at you jesus doesn't want our hearts to be troubled that's when our hearts are troubled because we've we've done something that was not governed that was not uh, umpired by his peace and instead we've gone against his peace we've done something that's out we've done something that is foul we've we've fouled out of the game Remember when I was in high school? Uh, I was taking chemistry one year, and chemistry was hard. You know, it, I didn't do I didn't do really well at chemistry, and and it wasn't just me. You know, to be honest, the chemistry teacher we had, uh, he was very hard to understand, and uh, just wasn't really his thing. And it was very very difficult for him. The whole class was doing really really bad that year, and uh, and I remember there were a couple guys in the class who were sent down to the copier room to make copies for one of the teachers. Every now and then that would happen. You know, you get sent down there. And for one reason or another, these two guys decided to look through the trash can in the copier room. And they found, um, they found the test key for the upcoming chemistry test. And so they took that test key, and with no one looking in the copier room, they, they made copies. I've just realized that I'm probably getting some of your children and grandchildren in trouble by telling this story. Um, let's just pretend we won't tell them I told this story, okay? Just, this is just between us. This, this won't be told to them. Anyway, so some of your kids did this. Uh, they made copies of the test that was coming up, and they gave them to everybody in the chemistry class, everybody in my class got that uh, got that test copy. So a few days after we took the test, again, none of us were doing really well in it, and suddenly people who had never gotten A's were getting A's. <laughs> that tends to catch someone's attention, and on top of that, um, some of Some people had developed a conscience, and and they confessed that they did this. And so this was a class-wide problem. And I remember I had received a copy of um, of the answer just like everybody else, but I had not gone to the teacher to confess, and I was starting to feel really, I'd get that feeling down here. I've done something wrong. I need to confess. You know, the peace of Christ was acting as an umpire in my life. I was a brand-new baby Christian. I knew right from wrong. I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew that this was a bad witness to my other friends who weren't Christians. And so it took a while, but I finally, I remember when I did it, where I was, I finally went to the chemistry profe- chemistry teacher and the, and the principal, and I confessed. And I said, yes, I also saw the answer sheet. I, I also saw that. And I always remember what the chemistry teacher said to me that day. He said, Brett, I never suspected you of cheating and that you know that hurt that made it worse I said I know and I'm, I'm really sorry he said no I, I never suspected you of cheating because even though you cheated you still failed the test <laughs> he said not only are you bad at chemistry you're bad at cheating too I could have kept my mouth shut I never would have got caught But that doesn't change that the peace of Christ was acting as an umpire. That doesn't change that that I knew that I had done something wrong and that I needed to confess. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. In one body. This isn't just about me. (laughs) This isn't just about my heart. It isn't just about my chemistry class. This is about us. This is about the church. Are we being fair with each other? Are we letting the peace of Christ rule the interactions that we have with each other? If we are, how can we tell? Because he says then, and be thankful. If the peace of Christ is ruling our interactions with each other, we are going to be thankful. He didn't just tack that on at the end. That's the result of letting the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Gratitude is an outgrowth of peace. Thanksgiving is the produce of peace. That's why peace is important. That's why peace is worth protecting. That's why peace is worth holding on to at all costs. When we let the peace of Christ govern our choices, we all experience thankfulness. And Paul calls us to see that thanksgiving also overflows when the good news of Jesus is the greatest treasure that we have. Verse 16, again, it's a command. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The the imagery there is of a treasure that you have that is so beautiful That is so valuable that it belongs in the middle of your house, that it belongs as the centerpiece of everything that you own. Not a treasure that you would keep in a vault somewhere or that you would bury in the ground and hide, but you want everybody to see the beauty of this treasure. And so you keep it in a place of honor. And the whole house is kind of pointing people towards that treasure that it it ties everything together. Every eye is drawn to that centerpiece all the things in your home, all the things in your life, your heart, point people to that treasure point that draws everything together. I think, about, I think about the stained glass window. You don't even have to turn around to see it. I took a picture for you. I think about that stained glass window. And when people walk in here, they notice that stained glass window. It's beautiful. You know, they, they love it. I, I love, there's so much that I love about it. I mean, that was made for us. That was made for this building, and and it belongs in a place of honor. Can you imagine if if people were here visiting, people were here checking out the new building, and we were like, hey, do you want to see our stained glass window? Yeah, we'd love to. Okay, come with me. And we took them to the storage room in the back, and we got there behind all the tables that they're in the storage room, and we, we opened the door, we took a flashlight in, and we pointed the flashlight and said, look behind those tables. That's our stained glass window. Isn't it pretty? Why would we do that? That's not what it's there for. It's there to catch your eye. It's there so that you can see it. It's there so that everything points to that. I have told this story many times to, to many people. You would not believe the view I get when I'm taking my trash out on Tuesday nights, especially when it's dark out because a lot of times I forget to do it earlier. But I stand out there in the road, and that cross is lit up, okay? Okay? I stand out there where I take my trash out. That cross is lit up. It shines through that cross back there. And the scene I see is just absolutely beautiful. This glowing cross with all these colors. It's, it's gorgeous. I mean, I got the best view of my trash that you could ever have. And it's just a great thing to be able to see. He says, let the Word of Christ have that kind of honor in your life. Let the good news of Jesus be the centerpiece of your life now what's that going to look like I mean if that's the centerpiece of our building here it belongs in the middle it belongs in a place where the sun's going to catch it where the lights are going to catch it where everybody is going to be able to see it where every eye is drawn to it but what's it going to look like if the word of Christ if the good news of Jesus Christ the message of salvation the message of the cross is at the centerpiece of of your life what is that going to look like he says in verse 16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to god in other words when the word of christ is at that centerpiece is in the middle of your existence is in that place of honor the things that you're that you say the way that you encourage other people, the way that you guide them, the things that you want to sing about, the things you want to shout about are all going to point to Jesus. So Jesus isn't just another topic in your life. He isn't just another thing that you have. He belongs in the center. He belongs in that place of honor. Jesus is not just something that you save for Sundays, and otherwise you keep Him tucked away in a corner in a closet or in a safe somewhere. He belongs in the center of your heart. Everything that you say, everything that you do, points to Him. Okay, that can be a little hard. You you know that's hard. I, I know it's hard. It's probably one of the most telling commands that there is because it really comes down to who we are and what kind of character we have. There are some people I know who when I talk to them, the first thing out of their mouths is not teaching, admonishing, wisdom, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. There's some people I talk to and the first thing out of their mouth is not thankfulness. There's some people I talk to and their first thing out of their mouths are complaints, gripes, sometimes even gossip. If that's the first thing out of your mouth, then then what's in your heart? What's What's your treasure? What, what is the centerpiece of your existence? I try to be nice, and I, I've never actually done this, but, but from time to time, when I, when I hear those kind of complaints, when the first thing that I hear is a, is a complaint out of somebody, every now and then I just want to stop and say, I'm sorry, where is Christ in what you just said? You know, I might start doing that. Is that okay if I start doing that? It's, it's, Okay, let's just all agree that I'm going to start doing that. Where is Christ in that? In that complaint, in that gripe, in that word of gossip that you've brought to me, where can I hear Jesus? What is the centerpiece of your heart if that's the first thing that I hear out of your mouth? Jesus himself said it in Matthew chapter 12. (laughs) Matthew chapter 12 is a great picture that illustrates it. Matthew 12, verse 34, Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in your heart will energize your mouth to say those things that are in there. And that is true, whatever is in there. And if Jesus is not at the center, then something else is. And it will come out, no matter how ugly it is. But if Jesus is given that place of honor then what comes out? Blesses, builds up, it even praises, and it overflows with thanksgiving. He ends this verse again with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If Christ is the abundance of your heart, then thanksgiving will abound. Thanksgiving will overflow. So thanksgiving comes when my choices are made in peace that's internal you know really i'm the only one me and god are the only ones who can really see that you know we're, we're the only ones that see and feel that thanksgiving comes when jesus is at the centerpiece of my life and anyone who's looking anyone who's paying attention they ought to be able to see that whether it's for better or for worse paul ties them all together and shows us that thanksgiving comes when our attitudes and our actions make it clear that we belong to to Jesus. He says in verse 17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want you to notice what you've seen in these three verses. The peace of Christ is to rule in our hearts, the peace of Christ is to act as the umpire. And when the peace of Christ acts as the umpire, and helps us decide whether our actions are good or bad, or our thoughts are good or bad, then the result is that we are thankful. And he says, let the Word of Christ become the centerpiece of your lives. And when the Word of Christ becomes the centerpiece, when when our lives point to Jesus, the result is we will have thankfulness in our hearts. And then finally here, he says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The call is for thanksgiving to permeate everything that we do, to permeate every relationship that we have with others and the relationship that we have with God. So what does this mean? Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. If we're not careful, it becomes the magic words that we have to end our prayers with, right? It's the magic words. The Bible says... Pray in Jesus' name. If I do it in Jesus' name, God has to answer my prayers. That's that's the trick. If I say the magic words, in Jesus' name, amen, then God has to answer my prayers. I want clear skin, God, in Jesus' name. I I want more money, God, in, in Jesus' name. I want to lose 20 pounds in Jesus' name. And I've tricked God, and now he has to do what I want because I've said the magic words. Is that what it means? Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I have a, I have a piece of plastic in my pocket. and uh, This piece of plastic has some numbers on it. Let me just read those for you. This piece of plastic has some numbers on it. And it has my name right down there. Brett Hammond says it right there. Got my name. Now, this piece of plastic acts as my representative for the vast holdings of wealth that I have. Okay? This is my representative. It represents my fortune. And, and, and this, this is all you need if you want access to my fortune. Now, I can give this piece of plastic to my wife. And on many occasions, I have handed it to my wife. And she makes purchases with this, and she has my approval because she knows my heart, and I know her heart, and I know what she needs, and and she knows how much money this really amounts to. (laughs) So, you know, we we have an understanding there. And she can do that because this piece of plastic acts as my representative. All of my authority that I have over, over my money is tied up in this because it has my name on it because you can do this in my name she knows my heart so I let her use this but a couple of years ago when my bank called me and said we have to cancel your card because a bunch of numbers got stolen and somebody in China bought a lot of stuff (laughs) with your card with your numbers I had never been to China And I certainly would not buy $400 worth of cosmetics. Somebody did. And they did not have my authority because they don't know my heart. They don't know what I want my vast holdings of wealth to go towards. You don't get to verse 12. Or excuse me, you don't get to verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You don't get to verse 17 by bypassing verses 15 and 16. You don't get to use the authority of Jesus and the wealth that He has without knowing His peace in your hearts. You don't get to use His name without letting His peace govern you, without making your choices by His peace. And you don't get to it. You don't get to it without His Word, without His Gospel being the centerpiece of your existence. Meaning that everything that you do and everything that you say is all going to point towards Him and point to His place of prominence as your greatest treasure. Reading through your emails this week, I was reading about what you're thankful for. And each email was different. And yet, they were all alike in some very amazing ways. One of the emails said this. I am most thankful for being back in a church family. I am most thankful for being back in a church family where I get to listen to your sermons. <laughs> they are so insightful and helped me so much on this journey. That made me feel good. Another one said, I am thankful. I am thankful for this church family, the most amazing bunch of people who surround me with love and support so many times. I love that you're thankful for each other. That was consistent through all the responses, that you are thankful for each other. And I realize that that wouldn't happen if the peace of Christ didn't rule in your hearts. That that doesn't happen unless the words that you speak to each other point each other to Jesus as your greatest treasure. And when that does happen, it's not just you who are thankful, but you make it possible for other people to be thankful because it overflows, it abounds in your life, it abounds from your hearts. Thanksgiving is coming. The holiday, Thanksgiving is coming. You know, if your family's like mine, there's a lot of things you've got to do to get ready. You know, we've we've got a little drive ahead of us on, on Thanksgiving morning. We've got things we have to gather and things we have to do to get ready. But the greatest thing... To prepare you for Thanksgiving has already been done. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. He died on the cross to bring you peace with God so that the sins and mistakes in your life would not weigh you down, would not confuse you, would not pull you in different directions, so that the peace of Christ can rule in your hearts and be thankful. His death for you is the greatest treasure you will ever know. And so you need to show it off. You need to make sure that everybody can see that treasure. Let it have a place of prominence in your home, in your heart, on your lips, and be thankful, he says. And know his heart so well so that every action Every attitude you possess is governed by Him and brings honor to His name. And when we do that, thanksgiving overflows. One of the the things that we've always called the table, one of the terms that we always refer to the table by is is the Eucharist. And the word means uh, thanksgiving. It's, It's that we are thankful. We've received God's grace. And we come to the table every week it's the centerpiece of what we do. You know, it it draws everything together. Wherever your life has taken you this week, whatever you have wherever you have gone, whatever you have experienced, the highs and the lows, you're all drawn back to this table, to the centerpiece of who we are. It takes us back to the greatest gift we've given. We've been given. The greatest gift of his amazing grace.